0: The whole point of theater is to move an audience. The audience is the final player in any play. And it's one of the things, especially with a play like this, where they're they're talking to the audience at times, the audience can change the play. It's why live theater is so exciting. <laughs> ¶¶
1: Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Our weekly podcast gives you the edge to live a more informed life. We discuss more than just St. Louis as we connect the Gateway City to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. talking to a director, Sydney Grossberg-Ranga. She's going to be directing the Max and Louie production, Tiny Beautiful Things, Advice on Love and Life from Dear Sugar. It's by Cheryl Strayed. It was adapted for the stage by Oscar nominee Nia Vardalos, and it's going to be at the Grandel Theater from July 29th through August the 8th. Sydney, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Good. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this because one of the things I find very interesting about you've been around a, a long time. Now, that's not saying you're old. I'm not saying that. You have done a tremendous amount of work in the theater, and I want to introduce to our listeners out there, that you were a co founder of Maxim Louis Productions. You've been an advisor to the Project Russmore Theater. you have been on the adjunct faculty at Washington University. You've been a director at River Arts Production, an associate artistic director at Phoenix Theater. You have done a tremendous amount of directing, Bluff City Theater, Gotham Radio Theater. This must really run in your veins.
0: Oh yeah. It's all I ever wanted to do. I've been directing since I Started at Webster University many years ago.
1: So when did you get the bug, Sydney?
0: Well, in high school. I was doing theater from really young, but by high school, I knew I had a phenomenal directing teacher, Iris Markman, in high school, and that's when I started.
1: You've probably got over 50 directing things that you have done, and are there some memorable shows that you've done or memorable actors, actresses that you've worked with, some moments that kind of stick with you and go, wow, that was really fluid. Wow, that really makes it work.
0: Yeah, almost every show I do, I find that somewhere. I I tend to not do plays I don't love. So that starts you off really well. One play I've been thinking about a lot as I've been working on this play was an earlier Max and Louie production, Lady with All the Answers. And Stelly Seitman was spectacular as Ann Landers and it's an interesting arc to have done Ann Landers a play about Ann Landers and now I'm doing a play about Cheryl Strayed because they both uh, were self-help kind of writers columnists who answered letters of course Ann Landers got hers in the mail now Cheryl Strayed gets them in email but it's Cheryl Strayed I always mispronounce it so it's it's interesting because Shelley who has turned Max and Louie into such an incredible producing organization is also a phenomenal actress. And it's something I never forget because Max and Louie started because Deli and I wanted to work together again. You
1: yeah, know, what's that like starting a production, a theater production?
0: I've started a few and it's great. It's all about having a fabulous partner. And Stella and I have known each other for a long time, since high school, and had done shows together. And at some point in our grown-up lives, we wanted to do it again. But I had moved to New York, and so it was all about finding the time. And in some ways, we didn't really plan to start a production company. You just need to have a name behind a play, you know what I mean? (laughs) We started one show at a time and then realized we should just make this real and do it. Other times, when I started the Phoenix Theater in New York... That was a concerted effort with Bram Lewis. We had been working with with River Arts Repertory in Woodstock, and decided we wanted to do our own thing. And we actually wanted to do plays in rep. And we found a place where we could do that for the summer. We brought a company of actors up and did plays in rep for a number of years. Starting a the theater company always—it's always for me—has to do with the people I it's really, that's what it's all about. And actually doing theater for me has, as I'm older and can make my choices about wanting to be somewhere and do the work with the people I'm working with. I, I, it's so much a community kind of endeavor that when Steli has put together an amazing team of designers and production people. And we spent a lot of time finding the perfect cast for this play, which we absolutely did. And everything, there are always bumps along the way, but everything is just so wonderful with this production. Our cast, starting with Michelle Hand, who's playing Sugar, and then the letter writers, Greg Johnston, Wendy Renee Greenwood, and Abraham Shaw, It's just so great, and some of these actors I've worked with before, but all of them I've wanted to work with for a while.
1: Can you give a brief outline of what the show is about? Not giving it away, but because I I read the book and it's great, it's fun. It's just uh, it's very humorous, but it's also very real.
0: It's very real, and that that's one of the things we've been looking for. This is it's a play really about a woman who discovers a new part of herself through answering letters in a column. And she's a writer. She was a writer before she started doing this and a very good writer. But this was a whole kind of new thing for her. And what's so interesting in her perspective on giving advice is that she doesn't think of herself as an oracle. You know what I mean? Every time she answers a letter, she learns more about herself as well. And I think most of the time when, as friends and family members we give advice to people who come to us for whatever reason we learn in equal parts about the person we're in advising and ourselves that's a lot of what the play is about the for me the play coming out of a year plus of quarantining and lack of con- and having the internet be for me personally, my main source of contact with people. Right. This play speaks about how many ways we can really connect with people in a substantive way and how important it is to all of us in our lives.
1: I want to mention to the listeners that opening night is next Friday, July 30th, and the show. Yes,
0: but we have a preview on Thursday.
1: Okay. All right, the 29th at yep, 7.30. Yeah, there's a
0: preview on Thursday, yeah.
1: You can get tickets at the Grandell Theater. Uh, call 314-534-1111. You mentioned a couple things, Sydney, that I found was very interesting, and I, I know that sometimes at different points of careers, things change. You mentioned that you only do plays now that you like, and I greatly appreciate that because sometimes I think young budding actors, actresses, directors, or anybody in any field that's involved with the arts, they have to take the role that's there, and now you're at the point in your career well, where you, you can pick? Is that kind of how, how you've grown into that? or
0: Learning about your voice, which as a director, hopefully you have. You, you're learning about what you want to say, because no matter what play you're doing, you're directing it coming from your personal take on the play. So uh, early on, I would pretty much take whatever I was offered because it a learning process. You need to learn. You don't always know exactly what it is that, that... You read a play and you look at it and you think, oh, that part of it is interesting, so I'm going to focus on that part. But um, now I need to... I, I, I've reached a point where a play has to, ha, really has to say something that I want to say as opposed to earlier on where I just wanted the experience. I have experience. I don't need to, to do a play that, for whatever reason, because I don't particularly care for the writing or because I can't find, I don't find a character that immediately sparks my imagination, there are lots of reasons that I don't, or I feel like the, best of the play is not I want to put out into the world. It doesn't mean it's not a good message. It means it's a message that doesn't lend—that doesn't speak to me in a way that I feel I can illuminate it. It's not always because it's not a fabulous play. It's often because I don't feel like I have anything to offer.
1: I get that. You mentioned the play that's speaking to you, and you figure, I can really give what I want to say through this and what the author is wanting and what the playwright's wanting to say here. How important, then, is the correct— selection of actors and actresses to portray the the parts
0: it's it's really important it's it's really about it's not just about the actor and actress it's the whole it's an ensemble no matter what the play is but it's not about finding one actor. it's about finding all of the actors and making sure that they give you the balance that you need for the play.
1: As I look at your philosophy, you say the characters uh-huh. tell the story, move the audience, and bring the words of the playwright off the page. If the audience doesn't get involved with the characters, they won't be involved in the play. And that's really true.
0: It is. It's almost always, when you're watching any TV, film, or a play, most people... Find someone to connect to there. And that's what they follow. And it's not it doesn't even always have to be the in quotes main character. Sometimes people connect to a smaller role. The whole point of theater is to move an audience. The audience is the final player in any play. And it's one of the things, especially with a play like this, where they're they're talking to the audience at times. The audience can change the play. It's why live theater is so exciting. Hmm. Although to some extent, when you're watching a film in a movie theater, you can go see a film in a movie theater two different times and come out feeling differently about it. Some of it is your perspective at the moment you go see it, but a lot of it is the group energy of the audience. That's true. So that you can talk to people After seeing a live play, and if they see it on different nights, the experience is different. And it's one of the things that being at a good university where there's a professional company like Webster, I learned so much about directing there because I was able to go to a rep play four, five, six times in a run and see what an audience does for a play and how actors roll with that. Because as a director, you need to prepare your actors for that. There are new preparations for this play. We are being very cautious in terms of our coming out of COVID. And so we have created in the house, a masked side of the audience an unmasked side of the audience. So people who are more comfortable either way can make that choice. We are all fully vaccinated. But, again, we aren't filling the house, and, and so the audience is going to be spaced throughout the house. So the contagion of an audience, we're going to learn something new with this because it's going to be slightly different than we're used to. That's right. Because normally the audience fills together. You know what I mean? But it's very exciting. What's so exciting for me about this is I have been doing a lot of theater through COVID, but mostly outdoors, stationary, kind of static readings and things where you maintain social distance.
1: We're having a conversation with Sydney Grossberg-Ranga. She's director, coach, and teacher. She also has won the St. Louis Theater Circle Award for Best Director of a Comedy for Souvenir. She is the co-founder of the Max and Louie Production Company here in St. Louis, and she's back in St. Louis from New York to do a production that is starting next Thursday and will run through August the 8th called Tiny Beautiful Things. If you want more information, that's going to be at the Grandel Theater. You can call 314-534-1111. That's MetroTix or go to MetroTix.com. Sydney, what exactly does a director of a theater production do?
0: I generally start off just reading the play a lot doing whatever research is appropriate so in this case I started reading other Cheryl Strayed things mm-hmm. I read the whole book as well as the play and began to think about what how I want how I wanted to set this up this play because of the way Nia Vardalos put it together is really director's kind of show because it's very open to interpretation it's open to visions when you're doing a play that's set in a house or that set workplace or that set there are certain things but this is just set in the internet so i started off with this play by doing more research on her on Cheryl Strayed and also the space because I have four actors in a big space that I wanted to fill it. So I developed a concept that has to do with the play and the story we're telling and the space we're in. Dunsey and I, Duncy Dye, who um, designed my award-winning show, Souvenir with Max and Louie, was a set designer, and Patrick Huber, also the lighting designer for that show, and now this one, we all started talking about that concept of Of people being in their own bubbles and yet connecting, we came up with the idea of various places from which these letter, the three letter writers in this play, playing a multitude of characters, could be writing. And as we were developing this concept and how this would work, it also informed me on the kind of actors I wanted for the letter writers of a piece. And every play develops differently for me. But basically you start off working with the concept and the designers and often you're casting at the same time. There's this big kind of pre-production of getting all the pieces in place that happens artistically so that the designers At the beginning, I spend way more time with the designers than I do as a director with the actors. Then once the design stuff is all in place, I start doing my next level, which is envisioning the flow of the play in the place that we have created. And then then I get joined. Then the actors come in and the stage management team, which is phenomenal, and stage managers should never be undervalued. They... In a rehearsal, they make everything happen. And having a good stage manager can make all the difference in a rehearsal room. It just means the flow of the show, the flow of the rehearsal, has an ease to it when you have a fabulous stage manager. And Emily Fischel is definitely that. And we have a great team, and it just makes the room warm and a safe place for the actors. And I'm a firm believer that no matter... Who the actor is, no matter what the play is, having a safe space to rehearse in, and I don't mean physically safe, emotionally safe, Mm -hmm. so that you feel like as an actor you can try anything you want to try is crucial because the creative process, all actors work differently, and the safer the space, the more freedom they have to develop their characters the way they – so it's just – it's a much easier, oh, my God, let's try that. Anytime. You want to try everything because you never know what's going to make things happen and bring things up in the play out more beautifully until you try them.
1: You know, and um, what's saying so. that, when I was reading actors and actresses who commented on your directing, they felt that they always had an opportunity to give their voice – and like you said, identify with the character and bring things out in the character that, that maybe not necessarily you hadn't thought about, but everybody's part becomes very important. It's just not like you telling them, this is how I want this. You're allowing them to develop that character from within their own experience and their own time that they've been in the industry.
0: Yes. I, I know other directors who work differently. This is just what works for me. I feel when I, cause I leave a show, once it's open, I'm done. But I want the actors to have the grounding that they need to then continue with the run and so that the show continues to grow. We don't have, in in most of the theaters in St. Louis, we don't have long runs. So maintaining the show is not the same as when, you know, somebody's going to go off in a show on tour for a year and keeping it fresh and doing all of those things. But... at at the same time, even doing just a two-week run, the show grows. The show should deepen and continue to grow because then you're getting the information from the audience Mm -hmm. that is the last step and makes the show grow. But if the actors aren't fully grounded, then the audience can be not the final collaborator, but a bit of a problem sometimes. It's it, and I feel like if the actors have – theater is a really collaborative art. And the term director is not – it is a well-chosen word because I direct them. I don't dictate to them. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of designers. Oh, no, there are times when I say, no, you have to cross here. No, you can't do that pause. So it's not to say I, I don't tell them things outright at times. But for the most part, it's collaborative, and we find together what's going to make the play live, because the play has to live for a while.
1: That's great. That, those are great words about that, because they are alive. You're bringing something that's static, uh, two-dimensional, to a three-dimensional form, and, and making it come alive. Adaptations. And sometimes when you either read a book and watch a movie and the screenplay, or you read a book and maybe you go to the theater, things are a little different. Do these adaptations, do the changes that they have to make it from 2D to 3D to come alive, do sometimes they enhance what was written initially, and or do they detract? Because you have really have to pick and choose on a long play— to, that's adapted to get the whole message out. What, you, In your experience, what do you feel about that?
0: I think with this particular play, the adaptation is really wonderful because I think she created an arc in something that doesn't necessarily have an arc, and that's a tricky thing. And we have at least we have found an arc for all the actors to play with. And arcs are beginning, middle, end is helpful when you're watching a play. I think adaptations, what's tricky about some adaptations is, and why sometimes I can't wait to see the movie of something I've read and loved, and other times I just don't want to see the movie of, or play of things I've read and loved, is to your taste, if you have created a particular vision As you're reading something that the film or play just boggles you, you can't quite figure out and connect to what they've done, then it's not going to be a good adaptation for you. But that doesn't mean it's not a good adaptation for somebody else. You know what I mean? I think you, you have to buy into that next level of vision or not. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Uh, And sometimes if it's a book that's really close to my heart, I don't want to see a film of it, no matter how good people tell me it is, because in my vision, it is what it is. And I don't feel the need for somebody else's interpretation. But there are other things where I think, oh, my God, this would make such a good film. And then I'm thrilled or not with the interpretation or a good play. I do with Gotham Radio Theater. I have done lots of adaptations of things, both books and plays, but primarily to shorten them and make them fit the radio format. The whole idea is that it's a live radio show and we have 40s characters and each actor who works with us creates, we create a 40s character of a film star or a TV, not TV star, a stage star who is coming to do this radio play. And doing those adaptations, you have to be very specific and I, I sometimes find it easier to do a book or a film adaptation for a radio play than a play because plays so often are trying to limit the, the space they're in or so that there aren't too many sets. And, and with the radio, you like to create different kinds of backgrounds. So it's all in sound background, soundscapes. Right. So having something set, a whole play set in a living room is not maybe necessarily the best thing for a radio play or for a film, but it is for a stage play. So adaptations can be really tricky, especially things that are loved because people have their own images.
1: That's true. I remember reading a book and having it in my mind, how I thought it should be portrayed. And then when I saw the movie, I was like, well, that's totally wrong. That was my interpretation. It wasn't the interpretation, obviously, of the screenwriters. And like you right. said, if you've got a great book that you love and you don't want to mess it up in your head and in your heart, just don't go see the movie. Or
0: Sometimes, and sometimes you can know that from seeing a trailer
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: because it, you're the, the one character that you connect most to in the book and you watch the actor who's doing it and you think, oh no, well, if that's who they think is this character... It's not going to work for me. Sometimes you have the exact opposite direction, you know, response. You look at that. Oh my God! Even though that's not necessarily who I saw, I can totally see this person being this character. It's it's so subjective.
1: It is. I really appreciate you coming on. We've been talking to Sydney Grossberg-Ranga. She's a director, coach, and teacher. And most of all, she's directing Tiny Beautiful Things, which will run at the Grandel Theater on Grandel Square. You can get tickets at 314-534-1111 or metrotix.com. They start next Thursday, July 29th, and will run through Sunday, August the 8th. Sydney, mm-hmm. thanks for coming on St. Lucent Tune. We greatly appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much. This was fun.
1: I look forward to uh, seeing the play.
0: Yeah, please come see. It's really beautiful. And for many of you, it's probably your first opportunity to be in a theater in quite a while.
1: In quite a while. And I I appreciate Max and Louis Productions doing that and getting out there and getting us back to the theater. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you. We are glad you decided to listen to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. We know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and we are glad that you have chosen to listen to us. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.